Hello, and welcome to Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket, a podcast about the work of comedy writer, performer, director, and all-round genius, Julia Davis. I'm Sophie Davis, no relation, and on each episode, I'm joined by a guest to talk about a different show created by Julia Davis. This episode is about human remains, and my guest is Miles Chapman from Channel 4's Lee and Dean. So today we're talking about human remains. Uh, This is a series that aired on BBC Two in the year 2000. So at the time we're recording this, it's actually 20 years old this year. Uh, I'm joined by Miles Chapman. Hello. 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 Can you believe it's 20 years old? No, I can't. You know, I, 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 suddenly, I suddenly realised that earlier on today, I was just looking some stuff up about it again, and I thought, my yes, 2000. It, it doesn't. It looks still got a sort of a modern sort of ring to it. 2000, but then as you think, my goodness, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Do you remember how you first came across it? I do, um, and it wasn't uh, when it aired. Actually, uh, we were out for uh, a few drinks and a meal with some friends. I think it was about 2001 maybe two even, um, and they lived up in Chiswick Way. And when we came back, my mate said to me, have you, have you ever seen Human Remains? I was like, no, I don't think I have. And he had it on DVD and he put it on and that was it. I was absolutely, I was in from the from the, from the the get-go. I just couldn't believe how. And in fact, I watched it Saturday night and on Sunday morning, I went down to HMV on the high street <laughs> and bought it that following morning because I thought it was that good. Yeah, it seemed um, to be that sort of word of mouth. Yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't seem to be a, a sort of universally known thing. Um, it, it, and it's, it's kind of because the industry I work in, a lot of people I speak to say, oh, yeah, human remains, human remains. They use it as like a benchmark or they use it as a reference point because it is so good and because it is, it's so unusual in the way it's been shot and cut and the way that each episode is completely siloed. So there's no like through narrative through the six episodes. The only thing that's in common is that it's Julia and Rob who play the characters throughout the whole series. So kind of like inside number nine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exa- yes. That's a, that's a very good, that's a very good um, reference, but yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm a massive, massive fan of Mike Lee. I think he's incredible, especially his early stuff. So like Nuts in May, Grown Ups, uh, Abigail's Party. Meantime, it's incredible. Right, yeah. And what I love about Mike Lee stuff is that they're, they're tend not to be these sort of huge sledgehammer storylines that people are obsessed with now, where there has to be some sort of huge hook or a cliffhanger or some massive left turn that everyone goes, oh my goodness. They're kind of gentle in their own way. They're kind of like a snapshot, a biopsy of someone's existence in this world. And Mike Lee was very much like that. He would jump into a world and come out the other side and it would never really completely end the story. It would just sort of go, well, that's how they live, and and it would just sort of go away again. It was almost like a a ship pulling into a harbour and then pulling out again, and that was it. It was kind of been and gone. It was, uh, and I think that's amazing. That's what I love about it so much. Yeah, I only watched Nuts in May for the first time quite recently. It's a, it was on iPlayer for some yeah. reason, and it is very low key, isn't it? You it's feel gorgeous. like people's viewing habits have changed a lot, haven't they? Because you get the impression if something like that was on now, people on Twitter would be like, nothing's happening. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. But going back to it, yeah, you can see how, I mean, it's very similar to Julia's camping as well. Yes, absolutely. And you do have, you do have those sort of traditional storytelling uh, tools in there, like, you know, sort of the protagonist, the antagonist, the inciting incident, all those sort of things. But those inciting incidents aren't huge. They're, for them, they're big issues. But for the person watching, they're very gentle. A bit like this country, you know, they, mm-hmm. they have 
sort of story sledgehammers, but not to us, but to them. Yeah, things feels happen like a big to them are massive, to them, yeah. but to us, are like, oh, why would they? And that's what I love about it. It's just, it's so gentle, and it's, it's, but it's, it's kind of really sort of edgy and dark at the same time. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I only saw Human Remains for the first time maybe about two years ago. I mean, I was too young to watch it when it was originally on. Yeah, and then. The first Julia thing I saw was 99 and uh-huh. then everything after that. But for some reason, I just never really went back to Human Remains. I guess, yeah. like you said, people don't talk about it all the time. No. So people weren't telling me, oh, you have to watch it. A little a li- a little yeah. personal secret that I know. It's like a like a little bar or a club that you know that's really nice and you go in and it's lovely and it's you don't want everyone to know about it because then it becomes massive. And then it's, it's like with a band, you get into a band. I remember getting Coldplay's first album, Parachutes, <laughs> and I thought it was brilliant. And as soon as it became massive, it was like, nah, not interested. I'm very much like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't think Human Remains is one of those things that is universally, you know, it's not a Mrs. Brown's Boys. It's not a um, not going out. It's it's not that sort of program. It's very, it's very specific and it's incredibly unique. Yeah, um, I think it's not the I, sort of thing you'd recommend to absolutely no. everyone. No, it's a bit no, no, of a, no, 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 no. An acquired yeah. sense of humour. It is. It absolutely, and there's, you know, there's no actual proper jokes in it which is what I love the humour comes from the ridiculousness of the characters and the scenarios that they're in and the language the tone the language is just wonderful you know so uh, before we get into the episodes a little bit of background for people it's six episodes all written by Julia Davis and Rob Brydon and in each episode they play a different couple and it's shot in a sort of documentary style with talking heads Uh, And it was directed by Matt Lipsy, who's a very prolific comedy director. At this point, Julia and Rob were both at the beginning of their careers, really. They had met because they were both part of an improv group in Bath. It was called More Fool Us, apparently. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I didn't know that. Typical sort of improv group name. And before Human Remains, Julia had been in Steve Coogan's show, uh, The Man Who Thinks He's It, along with a young Simon Pegg. Uh, mm-hmm. And she was also in Jam, the oh, Chris Blue Morris. Jam and yeah, yeah, all the Chris Morris stuff, absolutely. Yeah. So she was very much doing that sort of edgy, yeah, cool comedy dark thing. Stuff, yeah. Rob Brydon was having more of a, a varied career. He was doing all sorts of different things throughout the 90s, really. He was doing radio, voiceovers. He was a presenter on a shopping channel at one point, And he had a few small roles in TV and in film. But then the year 2000 was quite a big year for him because Marion and Jeff... And Human Remains ended up airing within a few months of each other, really. So, yeah, they'd met in this improv group and then gone their different ways in sort of, you know, the entertainment industry and then came back together for this. And then in terms of making it, apparently the show was originally called Beautiful Love. I heard this on, I think, the DVD commentary, but someone higher up thought that sounded a bit girly okay <laughs> so they changed it to human remains i do think i don't necessarily agree with the too girly thing but i do no. kind of think human remains suits it a bit it does more. and i i think yeah because you're just so used to being called human remains you can't imagine it being called anything else beautiful that, love it's a bit beautiful love vague. yeah it's kind of yeah it is isn't it it is i think human remains is is brilliant actually i think it's a perfect title for yeah, it yeah it kind of reflects um, the, it is. the bleakness a it bit does more. absolutely yeah 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 uh, they wrote a lot of it by just kind of sitting in a room together mm-hmm. and talking. They would put a camera on and just sort of improvise. You can see some of those videos on the DVD and I think on YouTube as there well. There is some on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. sort of working out the characters. Uh-huh. Some of them in the videos are quite fully formed and then some yeah. of them are a bit more early stage, yeah, like yeah. they're doing 
Stephen and Shell at one point. That's right. And they've got the voices, but like Stephen is a lot less aggressive. Yeah, and, he's not as horrible in it. Yeah, yeah. And I think Shell is actually called Debbie and she's saying like Debbie, but she's yeah. not as stupid as she ends yeah, up being yeah, yeah. in the final thing. They really like dial it yeah, up. Yeah. Weirdly, a few days ago, there was an interview with Rob Ryden in The Telegraph, I think, because he's on tour at the moment. Right. But this particular interview was mainly about human remains and Marion and Jeff, I guess, because of the whole 20 year thing. Mm. And he said about working with Julia, I think we always were a nice balance for each other. I maybe pulled her a bit more towards the mainstream and she maybe took me more towards the edge. I guess I think that kind of makes sense, really. Well, no, it does. And I think that's why it's it's the perfect balance, really, isn't it? You can feel when, when things go really super dark and when things feel like they're quite... I kind of love it. It's kind of a normal precinct, but with these really odd, dark things going on at the same time, which I think is uh, it's perfect match, really, for me. That's that's my thing. Yeah, I, it so. makes sense, like the way her work has gone afterwards yeah, as well. Uh, it's uh, totally. more extreme. But as he's now <laughs> doing adverts for Cunard, and uh, I think he's amazing. I've seen him live once, uh, only because I got invited to this comedy night thing. I thought it was amazing. I thought he was brilliant. And I think he's an incredibly talented bloke. Um, as Human Remains proves, and I think um, he should do more stuff like that, I think. Yeah, they're both I, so different in every episode. Yeah, I know he's brilliant as Bryn in um, uh, Gavin and Stacey, yeah. but it just shows how many... His characters, He well, the pair of them, they, they fill the shoes of the characters so perfectly. And I know makeup and prosthetics and, and costume do a lot, but you still need... You still need to absolutely inhabit that character, and that's that's what the pair of them do brilliantly. So, yeah, I think when he's like Stephen in particular, he just oh, looks kind of dead in the it's eyes. Just great, great. Yeah. You compare Stephen with Les, so yeah. they're so different. I don't even see him as the same person, even mm -hmm. though they look the same because they've got the same features. But the hair is different, obviously, and the and and the sort of the character. But yeah, I don't I don't see them at all as the same people. They're, mm -hmm. they're completely different people. So. Yeah. And yeah, it is weird thinking now, you know, thinking back to this and Marion and Jeff, and he's now kind of like Mr. Light Entertainment. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have yes. thought it back No, then. absolutely not. No, no, no. But it's good for him. Brilliant. I'd, I'd do the same thing. Uh, but he, he's, um, he's, he's so much more than, than what you, you see, you know, it's, uh, he's brilliant. Yeah, he was on Richard Herring's podcast last year, I think. Oh, okay. And they were talking about his very sort of varied career and he just seems to be sort of in, enjoying his life, really, I think. Yeah, so, good uh, for him. Richard Herring sort of said to him, like, you know, you're, it's good that you're sort of not, you did this edgy comedy and now you're not being kind of snobby, like, oh, I wouldn't do that, I wouldn't yeah. do that. He's just sort of doing what he fancies doing, yeah, really. good for him, yeah. absolutely. I don't think there's any, any shame in that at all. Oh, brilliant, I'd happily do it. So, um, yeah, of course. Good on him. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the first episode is An English Squeak, uh -huh. which is Flick and Peter Moorcross, the, uh, the posh couple. I watched this with the DVD commentary the other day, and apparently the title uh, An English Squeak comes from some dialogue that didn't actually end up being in the episode, because oh, okay. I did wonder, because um, all the other titles sort of make sense and this yeah. one doesn't. But apparently there was a moment where Flick is talking about Nana and saying, oh, she doesn't really speak the language. I haven't heard so much as an English squeak. Oh, okay. So that's where that came from, apparently. Right. But on the commentary, they were talking about it as if it was in the episode, but yeah. it isn't. Well, I, I'm going to say I, I, I hadn't heard that phrase in it. So um, Yeah, exactly. I think out of all the couples, they're perhaps the most sort of distant from each other. Yeah, no, they are. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a cruel thing because although he's completely ridiculous and completely stupid and blind to what's going on. 
feel desperately sorry for him. Yeah, he's like a little um, child. He is like a child in in a in a in sort of in, 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 hidden inside an adult, and she's hideous. She's horrible, <laughs> and uh, there's so like, I was going to go into the so many favourite moments in the whole series. And I know later on you're going to ask me to pick my favourite episode. <laughs> I know you're going to ask me that. But it's difficult because the, some of my favourite moments aren't necessarily in the epi- my favourite episode yeah, overall. Yeah. But one of my favourite moments in all of the human remains stuff is when she's going through the wash bag and she sniffs the wash oh, bag. It's so yeah. gorgeous. And it's so horrible to to watch that she's so obsessed with him and she so can't let go of him that just going through his something like his wash bag his and sniffing his comb, stuff, it's yeah. absolutely beautiful and so cruel. It's it's a wonderful little moment, you know. It said it does so little and says so much. It's yeah. it's brilliant. You know, I love the, yeah the moment where she's talking about what a good kisser Jeffrey was and yes. talking about all his his like lips and tongue, and then the camera just pans over and he's just standing next to her the yeah, whole time. She, absolutely she looking inadequate. Care. Yeah, and and uh, you know forcing him to wear the same size uh, riding gear as he used to wear because uh, she can't bear the thought that he he's shorter and smaller and not as well endowed. And so she just, that's a little, oh, it's, it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah, in the you shop, know. it's like she's the mum and he's the little child. Yeah, the I shop know. assistant is just talking to her the whole time and, oh, he's he's a 32-inch waist. Let's try yeah. him in a 38. So ridiculously submissive. And he just goes along with it. Yeah, and, and just looks on the bright side of everything and he just, he never runs her down or sees fault in her. He's obs- he's ob- obsessed with her as she is with um, Jeffrey. Jeff, Jeffrey. Yeah. And it's gorgeous, you know. Yeah, I think the very first thing she says is, um, oh, a husband is in many ways a little bit like having a pet. Peter's always around and getting under my feet. One sometimes wishes one could put them outside, but one does have to keep up standards. Yeah. And that's just her tone towards him throughout yeah, the whole thing. absolutely. And that, and that doesn't change and... Um, Yes, it's brilliant. It's gorgeous, and that—that that is the—that's—that's that's, that's the first episode. That's the first one I ever watched. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, they—they so. they shot this one first, and then they shot the rest of the series, and then they actually came back to this one and shot extra stuff on like a oh, final day because okay. they thought it wasn't funny enough after they'd done the rest of them. So the extra bits that they shot later are the bits where they're playing croquet mm-hmm. in the garden, and weirdly, the bit where they're at the um, the grave. Oh, that wasn't yes. in it before. But once you know, you can tell because Rob Ryden is wearing a wig in all the later stuff. Because at the beginning it was his own hair, and then he'd like shaved his head for other characters. And then, oh, so once oh, you know, once you know, you can kind of see. Oh, he's wearing quite an obvious wig, wig. to try and match what was there before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I love the stuff at the grave where they've got all the pets, but then Jeffrey's buried in the garden yeah, as well. Yeah. And oh, she's going to be buried with him after she dies. But Peter's going to be buried at the other end with yeah. Sergeant Potter, the guinea That's pig. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's awful. Oh, it's it, it's it's a lovely episode. It's not it's not my favourite. I have to say overall, Same, yeah. But it's got actually my favourite line in it you know, about what well, not the moment. I think now is the is the wash bag. It's so gorgeous, and it is it's such economy of story, but says so much. You know, yeah. Peter, the fact she carries yeah. it around with her like a yeah. trinket. You know, she saved it. She saved it. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. 
creepy. And of course, she, she claims that she's got this vaginismus. That's right. That she can't <laughs> accept any, well, it was it, uh, what was the phrase? Penile accommodation. Uh, penile accommodation, <laughs> yet she gets quite, with the masseur, she gets quite, uh, clearly has um, a bit of fun with him. And it's, but it's right under his nose. Yeah. That's, that's a horrible thing. She doesn't even try and hide it. Just doesn't even try and hide oblivious it. Oblivious to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she, it manifests itself in all these different ways. Like she's in a wheelchair, she's collapsing. I think at one point she's got like an eye patch on. Yeah, just that's right. <laughs> just just to sort of just to make out that uh, she can't do it. Absolutely, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And at one point she's saying how oh the condition comes and goes. And one time it was really bad when Peter was about to go on a holiday with his friends. <laughs> just stop it! I know <laughs> the worst or oh, at the best possible time. Yeah, and she was fine the next day. Oh, oh but it yeah. was it was good because it meant he could fix things around the house. Exactly. No, it's amazing, isn't it? It is. It's so she's so manipulatively horrible, and and it just make you wonder what what she gets out of him. You know, it's it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? But it's but that, that doesn't matter because it's um you know because mm, she she was engaged to. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, and then yeah. they were out punting. He fell in the water and was uh, pulled down by the reeds. That's right. <laughs> and then he uh, proposed to her about about an hour later, like an, an that, hour. An after. hour later yeah. after he died. Yeah, yeah. A knee jerk proposal. Yeah, for his moment. Yeah, because they met at Cambridge, and then he was sort of waiting in the wings yeah. the whole time. And she, I must have said yes because I don't know, she was in shock or something. Yeah, yeah. And then she, some, for some reason, just stuck with it. Yeah. But she's organised this birthday party for him, which is like a, a clown is there. That's right. Stephen yeah. Manga. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a children's birthday party, isn't it? Effectively, yeah. yeah. He gets like his face painted. Party. Yeah, he gets his face painted. <laughs> and she's furious because he's going to be late because he's got this horse riding competition. Right. But you think surely she could have just changed the time of I know, the party. And, and he's terrible at the horse riding. He, I think he comes last, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, because she's yeah. bought him that hat. That doesn't fit, yeah. and it's over his eyes. And because, she, like, yeah. slams it down and says, yeah. oh, don't be ungrateful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a bouncy castle. She's trying to, like, seduce the clown. Yeah. Oh, God, it's just awful. And then there's Nana, of course. Uh, Nana scene at the end. Yeah. With the, yeah. Who's uh, Joanna Scanlon. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's sort of in the background the whole time. She doesn't really mm. say anything, does she? And then, no, and then all of a sudden she just becomes, just pounces on him and yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's sort of a happy ending <sighs> yeah, in a way for him because you do feel sorry for him. Yeah, that moment reminds me, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Life and Loves of the She-Devil. No. There's a moment in there when Nana sort of jumps on him and it rem reminds me of a moment in that. Right. It's, quite, it's quite a similar sort of, I don't know if it was borrowed from that or not or, or, or slightly sort of referenced, but uh, yeah, it always reminds me of that scene. And there's these really graphic noises over the credits. Yeah. And yeah, I watched it with the subtitles on the other day to pick up on any lines mm. that I'd missed. And on that at that point it was it says something like slurping. And yeah, I was like, oh that, no. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> disgusting. Apparently Peter Rob Ryden says he's like Hugh Grant without the confidence. Yeah. That's sort of how he played it. Yeah, perfect. Um, I think one of my favourite lines of his is later on in the episode and he's saying oh people tell me that I've been dealt a bad hand well if a life of turmoil anguish sorrow doubt fear regret and longing is a bad hand then yes I have been dealt a bad hand but is it <laughs> it's Bless gorgeous it. isn't it yeah Bless he doesn't man. see it does he he's so he's so positive all the time isn't that a lovely thing He's got his little cushion on his lap for security yeah. that he yes. can't. We can't even know. I should prefer it with the cushion. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Oh, bless him. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, yeah, it's a great episode. So towards the end, that he does seem to have a little turning point where 
he says, oh, I am looking forward to returning to the physical aspect of the marriage. Yeah. You know, he still has hope. And he says, I don't think I could go on if that weren't the case. Yeah. And she just completely shuts him down and says, well, the best we can hope for is a very steady, progressive deterioration. And you do see at that point his face kind of falls Drop. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like he suddenly realized, oh, yeah. maybe her so-called condition isn't going to go away. Yeah. And he just, he believes her. He trusts, he, there's that level of trust with her as well. It's it's lovely, isn't it? You know, and you know that it's that dramatic irony where he doesn't know what's going on, but the, the audience do right from the get-go. You can see what the deal is. So, no. Yeah, she says about Jeffrey, oh, I think when one truly loves someone to let go of them would be wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which obviously is, you know, saving the toiletry bag and yeah. she says with the grief and the vaginismus there's not really much room for peter <laughs> yeah oh but saying all of this when he's there yeah that's the thing so cruel and yeah. he sort of carries on after the turning point where she says oh we're not going to return to the physical aspect yeah. of it there's that moment when the party's finished and everyone's gone home she's talking to the camera and he sh appears in her bedroom doorway with a really yeah. kind of hopeful expression like he's maybe gonna get some for his yeah, bed yeah, and yeah. she just goes peter i am tired and i am tight yeah. and he just leaves the room <laughs> no i know yeah oh it's so good so that's episode one episode one yeah the next one is slytherin slytherin yeah uh, gordon and sheila the swingers and that actually is taken when he goes come on slytherin when slytherin trying to do my best accent <laughs> i can't when, do it but when when you know it's better pair of them getting into the bed. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like a sexual reference, but actually it's not. The, the, the reference is quite benign, actually. This yeah. is when they both get into bed and that's it. Yeah. She's sort of like creaming up her hands Creaming up stuff. her hands, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and, and talking about how um, his penis is smaller than what she's used to. Yeah. What was it, going from a cavalier to a punto or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Or, I don't know if it's the other way around, something like that. But I think they seem to have one of the more happy relationships. Yes, absolutely. They They... They clearly really love each other and support each other. It's an have odd, the same interests. <laughs> have the same interests, absolutely. Uh, and what I love about that is the juxtaposition against uh, Flick and Peter. It, you couldn't get two more mm -hmm. different characters living different lives in a different place. So, um, yeah, the fact that mum is... The in the B and B, or the sister, yeah, bigger partner, yeah. in the B and B, and um, that's kind of where the darkness and the, comes and from. And the, in this uh, yeah, and the playroom in yeah. quotes is next door to her so they can hear if, if it's a problem yeah so um yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant and um the, I, what i like about it as well because clearly they're they're swingers but their life is really mundane as well yeah. really mundane and why not you know just because you're a swinger doesn't mean to say you, you still go shopping down sainsbury's you still have to make the beds and yeah, you know, the way they meet is very mundane. I think they yeah. say they meet. They met in a shopping centre. That's right. He took her to the cosy kettle <laughs> yeah. for a tea and a bun. That's right. And then they had their first date at King Carver or something. Yeah, yeah. These very normal sort of middle aged couple, and then they have this other side to their so, life. Absolutely. Because I think it's sort of a bit into the episode, isn't it, where they actually show us the playroom and that they're swingers <laughs> and they're they're quite happy with that. And um, it's yeah, it's 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 a. It's a Fantastic. And again, the inhabiting the characters and the makeup and prosthetics are great, especially on on Rob. Amazing. He just doesn't even look like him. Yeah, he's it? got yeah. the kind of belly and everything. Yeah, and, and the, the little the comb over. I know he's got a couple of comb overs in it, but that sort of thinning comb over with the glasses and that sort of they've done something with his chin as well. It looks a bit more pronounced. Yeah. There's something going on there. And the teeth and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But even though they have all that, that stuff, it's kind of like they still feel like real people. Then yeah. like, I don't feel like they're sort of wacky characters. No, I don't think 
any of the characters in it feel hugely caricatured. They feel they feel slightly bigger, but they feel very normal. Like people you could meet. Absolutely, yeah. you would. You, I never look at any of those characters and think, "No, nah, there's not. There's not people like that." I, there are people. I'm going to tell you, there's people a lot worse than that, or a lot more heightened than that in real life. I've met some very peculiar people. Believe me. So, I totally believe. I totally believe those characters. And that's what's great about it is that you invest in the characters, you totally believe in them, and and then you're you're pulled right into it, and you just you just submit to it really because it's it's believe it. You don't have to suspend disbelief. It's just. It's there, you know. Yeah, on the DVD extras, there's videos of uh, some of the makeup tests. Yeah. And it's weird because quite a lot of the characters in the makeup tests have false noses mm -hmm. and then they don't in the actual series. Yeah. So I wonder, that must have been some sort of decision at one yeah. point. Because yeah. I don't think any of them have false noses in the series. No. As far as I've noticed, that must have been a blanket decision at some yeah, point. Yeah. I, I think that does maybe add to it that they yeah. feel a bit more real uh -huh. instead of having these like enormous false noses it's a bit weird yeah. so in this one the sister's been in a coma for three years she was hit by a car and they say oh we think it was the neighbor uh bob crawford's ginger hair breath like a cat yeah <laughs> such a bizarre detail and he was he says that he was stationary in the car and she ran at him in a suicide attempt, but she was thrown <laughs> 20 feet so it's brilliant <laughs> and, and you see the thing is that is sort of a joke. That is sort of a joke with a punchline, but it's so dark and so it just feels real. You know, I've I've had, uh, I'm not going to go into it now, but I've had conversations with my in-laws and some of the stuff they come up with, you say, oh, just, it's just like my, my neighbours come out with some stuff that is just beggar's belief. That yeah. You could sit in front of a laptop for hours and think of stuff to write and you would never come up with the stuff they come out with. It's just, it is amazing. So, yeah, you sort of believe that someone would say that. You I know. think there is a line in this episode where I think they're going out to feed the swans and she says something like, um, oh, you're not expecting me to cook tonight. We can just pick. And I think Julia Davis said in the commentary that that was just, is just something that her mum says. Yeah. So it, it is that sort of inspiration. You can like, just pick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she seems a lot more upset about the whole coma thing than Gordon does. Yeah. He keeps making these little comments like, oh, you know, she seems happy. We all like a lion. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Hold, holding the mirror up to the mouth to see if she's still breathing. That's right. Yeah. Mirror's, un mirror's unclear. I'm still here. Just a bit yeah. of fun. Well, yeah. And their plan is that. They're basically waiting for her to die, aren't they? So they can knock through, through the wall. Through the absolutely, and expand the room. Yeah. Showing us around going, oh, where, where, where Val is, we're going to put in plastic sheeting oh, no, for golden just, showers. Just, we're going to put a torture rack on the wall. Yeah. And then in the end, they just decide to not wait anymore because they're fed up. And it was something like, oh, there was a smashing offer on wallpaper at Wix. Yeah. And that's not going to last forever, whereas Val might. Yeah. So the episode ends with them just going ahead with it anyway. They've got the builders in and yeah. just working around Val. And I assume the activities are going to be around oh, Val as well. It's gorgeous. So one, one of the things that I love about it is that it is in the main improvise. I know that they um, spent a lot of time rehearsing it and they went a lot of time developing the characters. And I know that they sort of wrote a skeleton script around, well, this, there's this scene, this scene, this scene. So it's like kind of script without the dialogue. And they know the sort of emotional through lines for each other. Well, this this scene here, we want this to happen. We want this to be the end point. But it's kind of up to them how they 
how they speak to each other. Mm. Now, they, they've probably rehearsed a few bits, but it, most of it is improvised. And you can certainly see that in the outtakes as well, when either Rob or Julie would drop something in that neither of them were expecting and they just piss themselves laughing, which is lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Lee and Dean was done in exactly the same yeah, way. Sure. And, and, you know, it was it was a dream of mine to make a comedy anyway. So I'm not just self-promoting here, but I just want to pull this point in how influential Human Remains was on me. Yeah, I was going to say, because you have the whole, you know, the talking heads aspect Exactly that, well. yeah. yeah. And, 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 and with Marcus, as well in fact we you know one of the first things we talked about when we became friends was was human remains and how much we both loved it and that was you know amazing reference point for us and also with mike lee as well because i know mike lee although it was sort of scripted you know they would they would all meet up in a room with absolutely no story no characters and say right let's talk about this and then they would talk for hours and then mike would make loads of notes and they keep doing keep doing. and eventually he'd have a script together amazing way of working mm-hmm. But it was improvising to make a script, whereas this is different. We would write um, sort of a script, but without the dialogue. Mm -hmm. We'd have sample dialogue, but uh, in the main, it was uh, never used. We just used, uh, you know, what came out of our mouths in the moment. So... um, so we were very sport that we were able to do that and and work in the same way as Human Remains, really, which is incredible because I never thought that would ever be an opportunity for me, and and it was, so... So then is it quite hard to edit because you've got lots of different takes oh, to yeah, choose Yeah, it from? makes it a lot tougher because uh, we shoot and edit like a documentary, really. Right. Because as much like um, uh, you were saying earlier about Human Remains, there's talking heads with sort of narrative, but that's, that sort of filming, that sort of slightly shaky camera where it's sort mm-hmm. of handheld. And, um, so, yeah, we have, you know, a ridiculous amount of footage that we have to sort of whittle down and, and distill into 23 minutes and 80, 40 mm-hmm. seconds for, for Channel 4. So, um, yeah, and there's a lot of tough decisions to be made. You know, mm-hmm. that was a brilliant line, but doesn't push the story on all that. was That was great, but that didn't quite work there. So it's kind of some of the really good stuff you have to lose. It doesn't help the story or um, it wasn't, you know, that line was great, but something happened in the background or someone else didn't deliver on this. So you, mm-hmm. there's loads of different things to think about when you actually make a decision on something. Yeah, for Human Remains, there is quite a lot of deleted scenes, particularly for Slither in in particular, there's quite a lot, like when they're feeding the swans and stuff, they seem to be doing a lot of different versions of scenes and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I I read um, something with the director, Matt Lipsy, and he was saying that he was kind of improvising in a way as well, because the whole concept was oh, it's like a documentary series and each episode has a different director. Yeah. Because I think in some of the episodes they do actually talk to the guy behind the camera and they, yeah. have, they have a different name in each one. So he said that he felt like he was sort of playing a, a sort of extra character in mm-hmm. the show, even though he was behind the camera yeah. and trying to imagine he was a different director for each episode. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds quite experimental and improvised No, that, well. make, that makes sense. You know, approach, and I, I think they all have a very different feel, I think, for that reason. You know, they don't seem formulaic in terms of, they're certainly not in terms of story and character, but in terms of the way they're shot and cut, they feel quite different as well. They feel like they've, they really are standalone pieces, even though they've been sort of bunched together in one package as a, as a series, but they do feel like very much standalone pieces, yeah. Yeah, I love when they're, again, with the, the sister in this one, they're just talking about what a burden she is while they're just sitting right next to her. Yeah. Sheila's quite into healing and tarot cards and stuff, isn't she? Yeah. And But they say, oh, Val just isn't willing to be healed. It's like putting petrol in a car and she's not willing to unscrew the cap. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. 
I think that's quite a Julia Davis thing as well. Like in Nighty yeah. Night, there's all these scenes with tarot cards and stuff. Yeah. That seems to be the sort of thing she likes. They also talk about, oh, we have these themed nights. Sheila will dress up as a teacher, so she'll just put on a low sandal and a gathered skirt and coffee yeah. on the breath and she's ready to go. And Gordon will be a parent unhappy with the falling standards of education yeah. or an Ofsted inspector. <laughs> Again, very like British, normal sort of yeah, scenario. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. The, the, the language is, is wonderful. And I, mean, I don't know how much of it you know, within those scenes saying, right, I'm, I'm going to say this and you're going to say that or how much of it was, because I, I, although ours was improvised, there was a few lines that we really did want to get in that mm -hmm. we knew were really funny. And I, I suspect it was probably a combination of that. Yeah, I um, think maybe, yeah, some of the lines they identified when they were doing the initial kind of yeah. video in, in someone's flat, that mm -hmm. sort of thing, and then adding extra little bits in as they yeah. went along. There's a line I like where they say, well, he says, people get caught up in labels I've entered into other men. Now, if that makes me a homosexual, so be it. <laughs> <laughs> and I also love the the envelope with the, the yeah, human Yeah, the running excrement. thing, yeah. Yeah, and it's the way he just sort of twitches and, and so he goes, That's, that looks human. Yeah, it's just <laughs> beautiful. It's, um, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, it's like dog, rabbit, and then the end, it, oh, it's a human one. It's a think. human one, yeah. And what is it they say? They've It's because it's an ex sending it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. His ex, and they've moved away to get away from it. And she says, but I wonder how much moving one street along really matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just moved one yeah. street to try and avoid yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And although although we were saying that this is, you know, one of the more happy relationships, there's uh, one moment where she says that she was once abused by an uncle on a holiday. And he says, well, it hasn't stopped you having relationships, has it? You've had 15 different boyfriends in the last two years. <laughs> So it's, yeah, this is a strange, like little dark moment in there. It is, but the thing is, it, it is, it is, a, but it's kind of consenting, isn't it? It's sort of like non-monogamy, but he's sort of cool with it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, and I think it comes from both sides. It's kind of like they've come, they've reached some sort of status quo, some sort of agreement between that we've got an incredibly open relationship. Um, but you're right; so they they are absolutely the the happiest couple. Uh, well, I, I say happiest, um, the most sort of... Um, they like each other. Really. They like each other. and But I do get a sense, I'll come on to that later on, I do get a sense of that with Les and Ray, that they do like each other. There, yeah. There's love, except that that Ray is so profoundly ill and depressed, she finds it very hard to <laughs> express it. But yeah. you know that she loves him and she, you know, she thinks the world of him, but it's just very hard for her to sort of express that because she just feels so awful. Yeah. But, um, so Slytherin ends with they're preparing for Swing Sem 2001, they're yeah. knocking through the wall and Val's yeah. just at the side. And then there's a, a little bit after the credits where Gordon says, people have a very preconceived notion of what swinging is all about. They think it's all about strange men junking off over your wife. And yes, it is to a degree, but there's more than that. And then he pauses for a while and goes, there's travel. But for me, it's mostly about drinking off over other people's wives. <laughs> so I think you get the impression with that, that that was maybe a bit they liked so much, they didn't really know where to put it. And they just thought, oh, we'll put it after the credits. Like a coda at the end. Yeah. Because yeah. that is a good bit. That, like, you can imagine they wouldn't want to like no, be in it's, that bit. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And there's a lovely one on uh, the outtakes where he says, um, it's, I can't remember the exact oh, phrase about going mean, off yeah. like a lawnmower. And she just completely yeah. loses it. And has to run into the corner of the room because she's just in hysterics. Like drinking the sherry. That's yeah. right, yeah, and spitting it out. And It's kind of like, um, it's interesting, outtakes. I love watching outtakes. It really feels like... 
I miss that because there's not so many DVDs nowadays. No, we, we put them, we put some on our first DVD. We had some outtakes right, on yeah. it because there were so many, so many, <laughs> so imagine, many hours. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, and you, a lot of people you had on the show were like your friends as well, weren't yeah. they? So you can imagine it'd be hard We'd to be keep in a hysterics face. every day. It was just brilliant. I mean, what a wonderful way to to make something. It was fantastic. You know, we would, uh, I mean, it was stressful. Of course it yeah, was. You know, yeah. We knew we'd been given this pile of money by Channel 4 to make something. So it was a serious business, but it was, God, it was a lot of fun as well, you know. So, gonna, um, is there going to be any more at all? Do we you know? don't know at the moment. We really hope so. You've There's, been doing other stuff with the characters as well, I think. We have, yeah. We, we're on 8 out of 10 cats, yeah. which was great fun. Really enjoyed that. Maybe talk of us going back on that. We're doing some other bits and bobs with that at the moment. I can't say too much at the moment, but yeah, we are yeah. doing some other stuff with them. But yeah, we've got, we've got other things going on. You know, Mark and I as, as, as collaborators, but also as individuals as well with other people and as individuals. So Mark's doing stand-up. I started doing stand-up as well, yeah. which I'm really enjoying. I didn't think I'd ever do that, but I love it. It's, um, it's kind of a weird thing because you, you, you're totally in control of what you say and how you say it. There's no filter apart from yourself. So that's quite um, – because Mark and I write together. We're sort of each other's filter. And are you, are you doing there. stand-up kind of as yourself? Are you doing any characters or anything? No, it, it is as myself. That's it's it sort of a slightly different. heightened me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is as myself, really, and my dark, ridiculous mind and what mm. goes on in it and uh, <laughs> things that amuse me. Because um, I do a lot of characters. I know you've seen the other videos that we've done, Mike. A few of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like Vic and Delph and Morris and Barbara Cramp and uh, Anniversary and, you know, Ray and I think of her name in a moment. Uh, I've got a blank. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, so we... You know, um, it's it's nice to actually just be myself for once rather than having to be someone else. Yeah. So now we come on to uh, All Over My Glasses. Yeah. Which is, can I point out my favourite episode? Yeah. I think it is probably the most sort of laugh out loud funny yeah. episode. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the title comes, I guess, from the curry being thrown in her face. But yeah. she, she doesn't really say All Over My Glasses at any point. But yeah, yeah the, the bit where they're playing the game, the... The Abba, Beatles, Christians, Doors, and she just doesn't get what doesn't they're doing. Doesn't get the fact that it's alphabetical. It's the, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's absolutely horrible to her, and he's well. Ultimately, he's a really hideous human being. He's just awful. And unlike Flick and Peter, he she to a point is submissive, but there's these little moments where she sort of undermines him. Like yeah. she does those little rabbit ears behind mm-hmm. him and she moves the stuff back, you know, when they're organising the wedding table. Yeah. There's little bits and bobs where she, you know, underneath she's thinking, I do as a part of me thinks you're a prick. She's being a bit cheeky, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is nice. So there's a little part of you think she's he's not completely suffocating her, but she is obviously immensely submissive and that was probably to do with the fact that she's, you know, got hugely low intelligence. It was really sad. It's mm. really, really sad. Yeah. She hasn't got the sort of gumption to really stand up for herself and say, this is not what I want. This yeah, is there's that. He's obsessed with his height, isn't he? And yeah. he, that's the bit where she's behind him because he's claiming that he doesn't wear lifts in yeah. his shoes and she's behind him going like, yeah, he does. That's <laughs> it. It's beautiful. So, And uh, again, going back to, keep referencing Flick and um, Peter, but the whole thing about Jeffrey, there's a Debbie Prosser, yeah. which is the same, kind of the same thing. So still obsessing over someone although she didn't die she finished with him yeah and he can't yeah, he can't, and then he, when you found the love of your life you know it's hard but it's just there's a scene at the, when he does that little talk at the bus stop and he kisses her with all the yogurt it's, yeah. she, and she's pregnant oh god it's horrible it's so horrible yeah it's so horrible and he says 
like, oh, there's someone for for everyone in life. And for me, it was Debbie and for Shell, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I've got, I've got to make the best of it. Yeah, you've got to make the best of it. And he's, the engagement ring he's got for her is the one he got for Debbie Prosser. And he's had to have it adjusted for, for the spindly fingers, yeah. spin, spindolero. <laughs> spindolero. Yeah, baby old Walton Towers, isn't it? Oh, yeah. God, that's awful. Yeah, she's pregnant and he, she's trying to clean the cooker. But she's, she's got a bit tired and he said, just got to take it easy. And he's doing nothing. Yeah, and... Oh, oh, well done! Like for cleaning the cooker, and then, yeah, yeah, lifting her up and down like, over know. and over again. And she just get the way she goes all limp and bashes her hand on the cooker as I well. I know it's gorgeous. It's well, not gorgeous, but it it's is. Terrible. It, it, it's yeah. terrible, but it's gorgeously realised because there are people like that, really horrible people. There's a scene in it which I think actually, aside the wash bag, is my favourite <laughs> favourite scene. Is when they're in the wedding shop. And yeah. I'm not going to say hand up who's got wood because actually that's the <laughs> obvious. The bit I love is when he's doing the sort of kung fu on the yeah. shop owner and she's sort of blinking and wincing and then he gets her in that sort of fake headlock, headlock yeah. and says she's shitting it. Look, it's just... Look, what is beautiful about that scene is that the shopkeeper's putting up with it because she knows she might make some money out of them. Yeah. And it's so hideous what he's doing to her. It's so awful he's such an awful awful human being it's it's incredible i love that scene so much yeah she's like flinching yeah and then the head the, the sort of headlock he said i'm only i'm only mucking about as if she needs to explain that you know um just yeah. keeps escalating and, yeah. and she's played by jane stannis who was also in that same improv group oh really Bath. oh okay yeah and ruth jones was in that as well that's right yeah and she's obviously in this episode it's her and mark benton, are mark the, benton yeah. the friends who yeah. they're all like sitting in the pub just sort of not saying anything yeah. <laughs> like oh we've got this great group of friends i know and yeah she, and the van damme references as well yeah fish cod cod <laughs> he eats yeah. every day I, it's not practical for me but yeah, i do what i, I can. do what i can yeah oh he's short too yeah <laughs> the yeah listing all the hollywood actors who are short or oh, uh, tom cruise he wears boots yeah michael douglas and then she just goes father christmas <laughs> <laughs> she thinks Father Christmas yeah. is some sort of Hollywood yeah. star. He wears yeah. boots. But I think she also says, "Oh, oh, we saw Michael Douglas at uh, Madame Two Swords." Yeah, that's gorgeous. And the way she calls Lady Diane, yeah, it's Diane rather than Diane. It's like Diane, Lady Diane, Diane. Is it Diane or Diane? D- Diane. I think she walks into the, the shop and so, yeah. says, "Like, oh, um, I want something like what Lady Diane wore at her wedding." And the shop assistant says. Um, Oh, well, she had like a 30-foot train. Yeah. Oh, well, she would have taken off the disco, though, wouldn't she? <laughs> it's so good. She even gets she gets shoes, which they aren't even like Lady Diana's Pumps. shoes. They're just yeah. a size nine because that's what Princess Diana was. And yeah. she's a size six, so she's going to just put stuffing in the yeah. end. Oh, it's no just amazing. It. It's, it's, she's like a child, isn't she? Yeah, she gets a haircut as well, like... Princess Diana and yeah. holds up that tray for comparison and Ruth Jones yeah. is like, oh, that's spooky. Spooky, yeah. <laughs> She's good at this. Yeah, like and she, uh, when she says crispy dog, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just... After she's got pregnant, they're going to yeah. celebrate with the Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> crispy dog. Oh, crispy dog. I think about that when I have a crispy dog. Yeah, just... yeah I do. I know that that, that automatically, but, but I think that is my, my favourite episode. Um, it's just... Uh, I, I don't know what it is about it. It's, yeah, it just feels 
not it's unfair to say it feels more real because all, all of them are incredibly real. There's just something about that episode that, that really resonates with me. It has more of a sort of maybe a Mike Lee feel about it. It feels very sort of urban and dirty and quite yeah. nasty and unapologetic for the for the characters, you know. Just um, yeah, the way he's walking down the street and someone shouts like, hey, wanker, across yeah. the street. And he's like jumping over the poles, walking yeah. along the street. Like, he's, oh, he's just such a tool. Such a... What I love about that character is straight away you think, I hate you from the moment you watch it. You think, if I met you, someone introduced me to you, I would hate you instantly. Yeah. I think when you it know, starts... horrible. At the beginning, they're showing around this nursery they're making and she's like, oh, I think we should get a cot, but Stephen says it's a waste of money. And he's like, yeah, start him off in the bed, I say, let him grow up a bit. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, from the very beginning you get the dynamic and he says like, oh, we're going to call him Stephen to give him an advantage in life. Yeah. And that's a good line as well where she says like, oh, I'm not pregnant yet, but you know, it could happen at any time. Stephen's got quite a temper. <laughs> So it basically oh, means it's forced sex, isn't it? Yeah, there is. A, I think there's a little scene, isn't there, where you oh, see their legs God. and stuff, and she's got those weird those, those slippers on. Oh, Jesus! It's so depressing. It's so grim. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I, I'm very much a people watcher. A lot of most of my humour, I would say, actually, all of my humour comes from what I see around me, what I hear around me, and I. I love going in. Like, so I'll give you an example. I've got <laughs> where our offices are next door around the back. It's about a two minute walk is a Weatherspoons pub mm -hmm. called the Three Magnets. And uh, Mark finds this fascinating that I do this. But every morning we go out to get a coffee and there's a cut through through a little shopping arcade. Or you can walk through the pub. There's no point in walking through the pub. But every morning before I have to walk through the pub because I like to see who's got a pint at quarter to nine in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I find that fascinating. And I always hover and just sort of listen to people's conversation. It's just fascinating. That that world, you know, it, it is, it, that's where I get, you know, I overhear, overhear people's conversations in supermarkets and, or look in their trolleys and make assumptions about what their life's like and what they get up to. And, oh, it's just, it's fantastic stuff like that. That's That's where I get my my influences from yeah. and I suspect that's how human reigns was as well you yeah. know, they're very honest portrayals of of people I've heard Julia Davis say before that she you know likes eavesdropping on couples and yeah. she finds it particularly fascinating when she can hear a couple having an argument with oh, each other so do I because yeah just fascinated by like why are they with each other yeah. what, what reason could they have to be still together yeah, I, if they hate each other that absolutely. much absolutely and I, I remember there's so many so many of I remember once I was in a, a supermarket and uh, you know, they've, they've got those counters where you can make your own pizzas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she, she said, she said, Les, what do you want for your tea? I goes, oh, I don't know, I don't mind. How about pizza? I could do pizzas there. She went, yeah, if you like. She said, what do you want on it? Because I don't know. She went, how about, how about tomatoes, onion, cheese, how about some mushrooms? You went, oh, I don't like mushrooms. And then she just went, well, what do you <laughs> fucking like? And stormed off. Now, clearly, it, he'd been bothering her all day with his, his curmudgeonly ways. And it was just that mushroom moment. Well, Triggered what do it, you yeah. fucking like? So it's like that mushroom said everything about their relationship. He just moans about everything. And it was just a go. And she was thought, if she's like that with him in public, what must what their, what their, must their relationship be like in private? My God. God, they must be each other's throats constantly. And my neighbours are like that. You know, they, they're lovely people, but they just 
put up with each other. They, you know, you get to that age, you know, your mid-70s, it's easier to be with each other yeah. and have that conversation saying, I'm not happy, should we get divorced and split the house up? I'm 75, I don't want all that. There's no point. There's yeah. no point. There is no point. Going back to the wedding dress, uh, she she initially wants something like Princess Diana, but Stephen wants something like Mariah Carey. And she tries on a long dress and he's like, oh, can it be shorter? We have to have the, the top of the tit visible. I know. And, uh, and then uh, that's when the moment comes where she tries on that dress and he says the hands up who's got wood. And he nudges her brother, brother and, and he, he reluctantly, and reluctantly <laughs> puts his hand up. It's so vile. I think, yeah, Mark Benson and Ruth Jones are both very kind of deadpan in this. Yeah. They? Like, they don't really say much, but because yeah. they're in a relationship, aren't they? And then they split up because he's cheated on her yeah and his relationship with steven seems a little bit yeah. kind of homoerotic yeah that's another thing isn't it steven's obsessed with the fact that his brother is gay yeah and hates it and yet yeah. he probably clearly is himself yeah and there's a moment where he's talking about oh you know i see him coming a mile off with his loud shirts and his blonde hair yeah. and that's exactly what how he's he got on yeah. absolutely yeah in fact that those those that couple kind of precludes the um they're like a Jeremy Cole couple, aren't yeah. they? You know, it's yeah. just, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant, brilliant episode. Um, and if I, if anyone, because it's a lot to wave through, isn't it? If you expect someone to sit down and watch six episodes, someone says, I've never seen Hugh Remains. That's the one, that's the episode I will show people first. Yeah, it's and the I most. If you like, yeah, it's the most accessible, perhaps. Most like this is a, a comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than a dark yeah. sort of drama with yeah, yeah. funny lines. Just I think a few other bits. You mentioned it already, the bit where they're doing the seating plan yeah. and she is a little bit rebellious because yeah. she wants to sit next to him and he's like, I'm sitting next to Leighton. This is my day This is my day shell. That's right. Oh, <laughs> And she God. goes, but, but I'll be your wife. And he goes, yeah, exactly. I'll have, I'll have you on my back all bloody days. Mate. And when he... It's, is it the yeah. peach or the apple? I think it's the, the peach. peach with little glasses on. I know. Oh, God. Because she moves, it doesn't shake. Like he, yeah. goes, he leaves the room for a second and she sneakily. She switches him around, yeah. And he comes back in and just eats it in her face. Like, this is what I think of you. Oh, yeah, I'll eat you. Yeah, and again, you know, he's got a temper on him, you know. Oh, it's it's amazing. I find with Human Remains, there's so many good lines that sometimes I'll hear one and I'll go, I don't remember even hearing no, that No, absolutely. But I had this with one the other day where he, they've got that goldfish. Yeah. And Stephen says, I think I must have blinked and missed this the first time, but Stephen says, oh, you know, he just gets on with it. We used to have these tropical fish, but they yeah. were more hassle. And she just goes, Stephen killed. <laughs> and he goes, no, I didn't. And then they just carry on. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just... Missed that of the first few times I watched it, and I was like, oh, I don't remember hearing that before. <laughs> killed them, I know. And he's just, no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> like, he definitely did. He absolutely did. He boiled them up in a kettle or something. Yeah. He probably ate them. They were too much hassle. Yeah. So he too just... much hassle. Oh, God. And the Princess Diana thing again. Oh, when she died, I tried to kill myself. I felt so guilty to be living and I, I went down the tunnel myself. The, the, well, the subway, yeah. The, yeah, near Newport. Near, the underpass near Newport, they yeah. I my hair done in sausages. So, sausages, And he yeah. says, I was driving rightly or wrongly like a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, so bizarre. The little, yeah, the little detail with the... the do, was it Dodie at the front laughing like a maniac? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's laughing yeah. and swearing. Laughing and swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Dodie would, obviously, yeah. Oh, God. 
Yeah, and they do that dance at one point to bump and grind. Brian Barr but... Kelly. Oh, it's so inappropriate, isn't it? Yeah. Given that she's pregnant as well. It's hideous. And Leighton and Ruth Jones's character just watching them practicing this dance. Like, oh. uh, and she's got these white leggings on. It's just uh, perfect. <laughs> and of course, this ends with the wedding being postponed between two and five years so she can get her figure back. Yeah. But I think you get the impression, really, that they aren't going to... I don't together, think, yeah, absolutely. I don't think they will. Um, I think he's just a horrible person looking for someone to manipulate. Yeah, because um, he's mentally superior to her. And yeah, absolutely. Probably can't say that about many people that he's met. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mark and I, or what people I love, have always said, I wonder if they should do any more. I, 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 I kind of feel that they should never do any more. I kind mm. of feel they should just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Certainly... Those characters, I wouldn't like to come back and say, here they are 20 years later. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. You know, if they were to do anything else, I think it'd be great to do completely new characters. But I think it is one of those perfect little things that should just be left like a little like a little island somewhere that's sort of unspoilt with a lovely coastline. It should just be left alone and um, yeah, it's been not a long ruined. Time, yeah. yeah, It has. It's been too long. Um, and it, uh, the other thing I find... Not sad, but a little bit frustrating in, in our industry is that although Lee and Dean was very much improvised, there was a very strong narrative through line through all each episode and there, there were big storylines and, you know, nice big left turns and everything else that a lot of broadcasters don't take risk on stuff like that. And I totally understand why, because making television costs a lot of money, a lot more than people realise. Mm-hmm. And if they're spending a lot of money on something, what they don't want to do is make something that they know is going to have very low audience figures. And I suspect, I don't know, actually, I'm wondering what the audience figures were around the time. Uh, I'm not sure, no. Yeah, because I, I think it's one of those programs that kind of went under the radar. Mm-hmm. But having said that, 2000, there was much less choice on television. Netflix didn't exist, for example. I don't think BBC Three and Four existed. I think BBC had one, two, no. three, four, five, like... and then I think you probably some people had Sky, some people had cable. Mm-hmm. You know, wasn't like the, the television landscape we have now. So programs like that were bigger deals because you know, most people only have five channels and a few others. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't. You know, everything now is big, bombastic. You look at Netflix and Amazon, all the programs they're pushing out are huge, and I, it's a shame that. Programs like that now will probably end up on YouTube or something yeah, like that. They, they certainly wouldn't be on television. Thing, yeah. But that's fine. You know, that's uh, that's it's interesting how sort of not taste changes, but the sort of you know what the what the general public's appetite is, and they're trying to make things bigger and bigger and bigger to put bums on seats. You know, because yeah. yeah, I think it um, is a shame with comedy because yeah, like you said, you know, ten years ago and further back if there was a new comedy on TV because you only had a certain number of channels, everyone would watch it and you'd go into work the next day. And, you know, I know people now who still quote things like, you know, The Fast Show and I'm Alan Partridge. But now... And The Office. Yeah. yeah. But now those people, they aren't really watching many new comedies because they're watching big shows like Stranger Things and all that sort of thing. But the other thing as well, there's so many comedies being made. I mean, Dave are making, UK Gold are making their own five, you know, four, uh, ITV, two. There's so many channels now making comedies. Netflix are making their own comedies. You know, there's there's, there's so much choice. Yeah, this is Um, what annoys me recently because... You never get to see it all. It's impossible. And I don't want to get into the whole like... There was lots of stuff on Twitter recently about the BBC licence fee and the yeah. amount of tweets I saw from people saying the BBC doesn't make any decent comedy anymore. And I was like, I think I, I did a thread because I was like, 
They've made loads of good comedy. They make recently. amazing comedy. You're just not watching. You're though. just not bothering to find out the good stuff. Yeah. You know, it's the thing is in the creative world by a rule of thumb, the really good stuff is in the margins. It always is. Music, mm -hmm. the really good stuff is in the margins. Or indie stuff, yeah. Indie stuff. Comedy, the really good stuff, the stuff that's like, oh my God, that is amazing, is in the margins. Mm -hmm. You know, the I've got, you know, I've got nothing against Mrs. Brown's boys. I've got nothing against not going out. I've got nothing against if I, I adore Friday night dinner. I've met mm -hmm. Robert Popper a couple of times. He's a brilliant bloke and it's a fantastic series. Actually, I think Friday Night Dinner is one of the one of it's the a bit few, of an anomaly. It I is think. because actually it's hugely popular, universally loved, and yet it's still quite dark and odd. Weird, and I think it's yeah. a very clever trick Robert's done with that series. I think it's very, very good. Um, brilliant casting as well, brilliant writing. But um, yeah, the really good stuff is always sort of slipped away in the margin somewhere. Yeah. Um, but Human Remains, you know, it's um, the popularist uh, universal stuff tends to be, not to my taste, I've got nothing against it, but it's just not my thing. Yeah, you know? sort of broader. It doesn't mean I hate it, and, yeah. it's just not my thing. I'm just honest about it, you know. Yeah, the things that are a bit more quirky and... Yeah. yeah, like I really like stuff that's flats. Yeah, brilliant. And that's not for everyone's no, taste. No, absolutely. You know? it's, it, it is uh, very much a thing. I'm, I'm enjoying it. You've been watching Home. Home's lovely. Yes, I haven't seen the second series oh, yet. Great. I've been waiting to kind of yeah. watch it I've all met Rufus a few times. Lovely, lovely man. He's a lovely guy. Really talented. Brilliantly written. Great performer as well. I think it's, uh, I think it's a great... In fact, there's talk of Ben Stiller. I think it might, yeah, might even actually American be happening version. doing an American version, which is yeah, brilliant. I think they're working on a pilot or something. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. No, it's um, a very good idea for a yeah, show at this time. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Oh, God, yeah, it's perfect. I mean, the timing couldn't be better, could it? So, sorry, I went off track a bit there. No, but no, I just, it's good. It's, about it's, comedy. It is good. Like... No, it's good. You know, it's good to sort of sit because, you know, we were talking earlier on about that was 20 years ago. And it and feels like it wouldn't be on TV now. No, it, it wouldn't. Although, interestingly, I don't think it's dated. No, it's no. not. It's, it's funny. It's 2000, you think what people wore, what their attitudes were in terms of technology, where we use Facebook and Twitter and social media, etc. But I don't think you put that on. I, think, I don't think it dates because the characters are yeah, so yeah. old and quirky. Like you think about this, it touches on religion and mental illness, which are universal subjects. In fact, I was going to say, sorry, I'm rattling on now. Sorry. <laughs> but Les and uh, Ray, now Ray clearly is very depressed and that episode is sort of touching on mental illness. But I think they're all talking about mental illness. Mm -hmm. they're, all, they're all struggling in one way or another, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. The whole thing isn't, you know. But it's quite, you know, it's in a sympathetic way because, yeah. I mean, in all of my glasses, we are clearly meant to sympathise with her rather than him. Yeah. You know, it's not making fun of the fact that she you know, possibly has some like learning difficulties yeah. or something, you know, whereas I think there are some other shows from a few years later that you might go back and watch and go, oh, that hasn't aged well. No, no, no. And, and it, but he's ill as well. I, I believe yeah. he's, he's a narcissist. Anger he's, problems. He's anger problems. Yeah. He's a narcissist. And that's mental illness. You know, just mental illness can, can make people horrible as well as sort of timid or shy or, or whatever, or, or sad all the time. It can make people angry and Mm -hmm. really unpleasant people because they're not happy inside, you know. So um, it's all the, the whole, the rich pageant of life is always the same, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's very varied for them as yeah. performers as well, isn't it? It's almost mm. like it could just be a show reel, like yeah, all the yeah, different absolutely. characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to part one of this episode about human remains. In part two, I'll be talking to Miles about the rest of the series. You can find us on Twitter at Julia Davis QOTD, and you can find me at It's Sophie Davis. This podcast was edited by Alex Blondek with original music by Martin Ford and Matt Bond. 